Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. You're about to hear a message from Pastor Joel Vardy from the series Doubt, Deconstruction, and Devotion. This series addresses the hurt and pain that some people have experienced in and because of the church and how we can still love and follow Jesus in a post-Christian world. Pastor Joel digs into the ideas of deconstruction and doubt in the context of Christianity and faith and explores how these matters may actually have a healthy role to play in our relationship with God. We hope you enjoy today's message. We are um, continuing our series called uh, Doubt, Deconstruction, and Devotion. And uh, we started it two weeks ago, took a little pause for Father's Day last weekend, and we're picking it back up today. Have you ever gone through something that has made you question your faith? Have you ever gone through something that's made you sort of think, do I actually believe what I say I believe? Maybe it's something that you were so sure a situation was going to go a specific way and it didn't. Like you were were so sure a certain uh, person was going to do something or that God was going to heal somebody and you were praying for that healing and then nothing happened. This often leaves us in a place of doubt. And we know that faith is is clearly so important to God. We talk about that all the time. But what happens when you start to doubt God? Does that mean your faith is just automatically gone or you're starting to lose your faith? And uh, should you, like so many people think once they have that little doubt, that it's a a thread that they start to to pull, that that they're losing their faith. And I've seen sort of two common sides to this idea. One side being that you cannot doubt at all. If you're a Christian, doubt is evil. Don't touch it. That's awful. Stay away from it. The other side I've seen, and this is certainly the side I've seen in the deconstruction movement as of late, is that you should doubt everything. And that you should just, everything you've ever learned, it doesn't matter, doubt it all. Everything you've ever learned about faith, doubt it. And there's clearly been a lot of fear around the idea of doubt. And as a leader, I haven't always done my best job to help people work through their doubts. Uh, You know, sometimes people have come to me over time and it's kind of scary. There's like an insecurity that slips into my heart and I start to worry, oh, what if I don't have all the right answers and I'm supposed to be a pastor and what if I can't defend my faith properly and what if this person starts sharing this doubt with all these other people and then this doubt spreads and all the people leave and I'm out of a job. (laughs) No, but sometimes it it feels like that. Our our natural response is often just have faith. You know, it's like, but what does that actually look like? What am I having faith in? Am I having faith in my certain ideas? Am I having faith in Jesus? If I have faith in Jesus, what does exactly that look like? Uh, Does it look like every time I sing a song, something's going to get better? Or like, what is this all? How does this work? And often, you know, we hear from people, just don't doubt whatever you do. Just don't doubt. Jesus is... Uh, he's fairly clear on faith. Uh, there's two events in the Bible where Jesus marvels, okay? It doesn't mean that he has like spider webs and capes and stuff like that. He, he, he marvels. He's, he's full of wonder. He's like, wow. And, and the first event, um, actually, chronologically, I don't know when these two happened. I, I think this was the second event, actually. But one of them is that uh, this centurion comes to Jesus and he says, my servant is at home and he's sick and I, I need you to come and heal him. 
And he just says, like, this is, he's sick. And, 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 and Jesus says, okay, I'll go to your house and I'll, I'll come and heal him. And then the centurion says, no, I don't even need you to come to my house. Just say the word, I understand your authority. Right? That, 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 that's the faith of the centurion. You don't have to come to my house. Just say the word, I believe you can do it. And, and Jesus is like, whoa, man, somebody's got some faith. He's like, yeah, sure, it's done. He just marvels at it. Another one is when he goes to his hometown and these people know him and they're like, I know this guy, I know his son. He used to play street hockey on my street growing up. I know this kid. This isn't a God. And, and Jesus marvels because they're so familiar with him in his hometown that they actually block him from doing miracles there. Incredible. The Bible's pretty clear on faith. And, uh, but what happens when this whole having faith thing isn't working for us? What happens when we have faith and we, we feel like we gave it all, but we're not getting that centurion experience? You're thinking, what am I missing here? What am I doing wrong? And, uh, uh, why, did I just not say the words right when I prayed? And can we question our faith? Can we come to Jesus with questions and, and really interrogate him a little bit without losing our faith. Jesus, he, uh, after he dies, he shows up to his disciples. Uh, he, he's, he's resurrected, and uh, he goes and he tracks down the disciples. Where are these guys at? Where are they eating today? And uh, Jesus, he walks in, and he reveals himself to all this, most of the disciples. Um, and then this happens. Now Thomas, one of the 12, called the twin, um, was not with them when Jesus came. This is from John chapter 20, um, if you want to read along with me. And uh, so the other disciples told Thomas, because he wasn't there, we've seen the Lord. And Thomas, he says to them, unless I see his hands and the marks of the nails and the place, uh, sorry, and place my finger into the, the marks of the nails, and place my hands into his side, I will never believe. And eight days later, so Thomas is like, you guys have seen Jesus. I got to put my finger through the hole or I won't believe it, okay? Uh, I, I want to just get the bowling pin experience with Jesus' hands or, or I won't believe it. It's been a while since we've been bowling. Um, it's exciting to have it back open again. Eight days later, his disciples were again we're inside again. And Thomas was with them. And although the doors were locked, Jesus came and he stood among them and he said, peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. Put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas answered, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you've seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. You know, I'd imagine the situation that Thomas is in uh, before Jesus shows up is he's quite disappointed. He devoted himself to Jesus for three years straight. He's working on, he's developing his ministry and now he's in this valley. This valley of Jesus is dead. I thought he was the savior. Like, like, I think a lot of the disciples thought, he's here for good. 
right? Like he's with us. This is the Savior. This is God. He's saving the world. And maybe Thomas is thinking, uh, I saw him raise the dead, but he didn't even fight back and save himself. Like why? How could Jesus allow this to happen to him? And he meets the disciples and they're all fired up. They're like, yes, Jesus just proved himself to us. And he says, I got to see this to believe. I, I can't just believe. Like, you guys are so excited, but I don't know. I think Thomas might've been a little bit disappointed. Do you know disappointment is one of the number one reasons people walk away from faith? Because they come to Jesus thinking everything's going to get better. And it doesn't. Some things get better, but they think that God has to fit into a specific box that we develop for him. And then they start to get disappointed in their faith because things aren't going the way they thought they would. Doubt often comes because of an emotional situation that happens in people's lives. Not because like they read the Bible and some things didn't add up. And it's not that. It's that it's emotional things that take place around us. It's often God not answering a prayer the way we thought that he should or, or would or uh, a person or a leader that let us down. And actually, one of the number one reasons that pastor's kids walk away from their faith is hypocrisy in the home. It's, it's, it's emotional things. It's that, that, that their parent wasn't the same person on stage that they were at home. It's not that the Bible was wrong. It's not that VeggieTales screwed up. <laughs> Disappointment can lead us to a place where there's a fear of future faith. Has that ever happened to you? You had so much faith for something and then it didn't work out. And now when other people are excited about God and you still believe this is true, you kind of think, yeah, but what about last time? Should I really have faith now? Have you ever been in a place where you're, afraid to have faith. Like Thomas here, three years of ministry, he still loses his savior. He doesn't trust these disciples. Maybe he doesn't trust God. And often we feel this way because we've expected God to live up to an expectation that we have of him that does not fit into who God actually is. It's scary how we can fall in love with an idea of God that we created, not who God really is. We can't just love the God we want. We got to love the God who is. Not our idea of him. I'll say it this way, because maybe you've heard this before when someone says, oh, you're a Christian. You go to church. Ah, that's interesting. I couldn't get into that because I cannot believe in a God who dot, dot, dot. You know what I'm talking about? I cannot believe in a God who would allow pain and suffering. I can't believe in a God who would allow world hunger. I can't believe in a God who would allow natural disasters to happen. What's happening with these people? They're putting God into their box. This is who I think God should be. You can't just love the God we want. You gotta love the one who is. And the sign of true humility is allowing God to be who he really is, not who we think he should be. A sign of humility is just allowing God to be who he is, not who we think God should be. When God disappoints you, can you still have faith? After praying for years for someone's health and seeing them to decline to the point of death, can, can you still have faith? 
You say, people around you say, Hafe! And nothing's happening. What if it's not us that I'm talking about, though, today? What if the, you're, you're thinking uh, this, this sort of idea that you're talking about, that's happening around me? What do we do if we aren't Thomas, but we have a Thomas in our life? What, if we do, what do we do if we're more like the other disciples? If we're like, oh, yeah, you know, things are great. Things are good. God's answering prayers. That's awesome. That's really good. Like, that's great that you're in that place. But what do you do if you have a Thomas in your life? I love this verse in Romans 12, 15. It says, rejoice with those who rejoice, but weep with those who weep. I don't know about you, but I'm so good at the rejoicing with those who rejoice thing. Like I'm like, yeah, this is great. Things are going good for other people. But weeping with those who weep, I struggle with that. A lot of us struggle with that. And you're still weeping about that? Yes, it was painful. Man, this is part of what it is to follow Jesus. It's so fun to rejoice with those who rejoice. But the back half is not so easy, is it? It is for like one time, like let's weep, let's get over, let's get it over with. But man, we cannot just rejoice with those who rejoice. We also need to weep with those who weep. I don't know about you, but if you've ever been in a situation where you're trying to weep and someone's trying to get you to rejoice, it's very frustrating because they don't get why you're weeping. And I think, unfortunately, a lot of times when someone has been struggling uh, with doubt in my life, uh, I've just been like, rejoice. It's all good. And they needed someone to weep with. When someone shares their doubts, we need to be people who can sit with them in that. You know why this verse says to weep with those who weep? Because people need it. I heard someone say recently, I love this. When someone is grieving, when someone is going through a hard time, all you got to do, you don't have to prepare the right speech to show up for them. All you got to do is show up and shut up. In fact, the deeper the pain they're going through, you just have to be there. The less you have to say. Often in grief, I don't know about you, but I I tend to avoid people because I'm afraid of saying the wrong thing. You know, well, at least they lived this long. (laughs) They're good now, right? It's okay. You know, you say, you say some weird stuff when people are in pain. And it's not so, your words that's going to help somebody in their doubt. It's your presence. It's, it's being with them as they walk through things. I think, I think that uh, a lot of people are still in pain and questioning about what, is, what has been happening the last few months. And... Uh, uh, what happened to a lot of us is the community aspect of our lives was ripped away, right? And and that is so tough for people. Right now, people just need to be together. You don't need to be someone's pastor. Sorry, you don't need to be someone's, like, I'll say it this way. People don't need a podcast. They need a pastor, right? And, And I'm not saying that you need to bring all your friends who are hurting and struggling to, to, to me and I'll fix it. What I'm saying is they need actually you to pastor them. They need, they need you to be in their life because people don't need another podcast. Here, listen to this. It has all the answers. They need you in their life just to be present. And so many of us bring the presence of God with us to be present with them. But if I operate out of insecurity in people's doubts, I will try to fix all of their problems. And answers are not an adequate substance for the presence of God. 
uh, not substance. So, you, you know the word. Uh, substitute. Sub, substitute. I'm sorry, I got subway in my head. I was like, sub, subway, 12 inches, a chicken, teriyaki. Answers are an adequate substance for the presence of God. It's, so, what did I say? I said it wrong again. You know what I'm saying. Substitution for the presence of God. For Thomas, there was no, for, for him, there was no replacing Jesus' presence in the room. How do we walk with people who are, who are going through doubt? Just be with them. What can we learn, though, about the response of Jesus to Thomas? Jesus doesn't actually rebuke Thomas because of his doubt. Notice that he's not like, Thomas, I picked 12 guys to be with me for the last three years, and you are doubting me? Of all the people I could have picked, I pick you? I think Jesus' Jesus's response is, you can open the door for doubt if you need to. You don't have to be afraid of doubt. Jesus wasn't afraid of doubt. Look what he does with Thomas. He's not like, he doesn't like overhear Thomas being like, oh, he's doubting me? <laughs> Check this out, Thomas. And walk through the, the door immediately. Check me out. Put your finger in there. He's not afraid. He's not rushing to him. He waits eight days to talk to Thomas. This is powerful stuff. He waits eight days to prove himself. He said, let him sit in his doubt. He can learn something in that. Let's see if he comes around. And if I must, I'll go prove myself to him. Do you know that maybe Jesus is doing the same for us sometimes? Let's, let's see if they'll come to it on their own. The fact that Thomas had spent this much time with Jesus and he still doubted him says something, doesn't it? That doubt is valid. That doubt will happen. And when Jesus addresses doubt, I think that we often read it or interpret it as, um, as a rebuke. Like, you know, but when you read about Jesus sleeping in the boat and the wind and the waves come up and all the disciples are freaking out, they're like, we're going to die. And Jesus is sleeping in the boat. Jesus gets up and he does not rebuke the disciples. He rebukes the wind and the waves. But I think we interpret, oh, you of little faith differently, depending on how we view Jesus. Because I think for a long time in my mind, I had this view of Jesus, that Jesus was this angry guy, that if you doubted him, he'd be like, you of little faith. I made a boat with you. Come on. But what if just like reading a text message wrong, you ever done that? You read the tone of a text wrong? Read the tone of an email wrong? Like you, you can read regards, like regards, or like regards. Anyways. Um... What if we've been reading, you know, you of little faith? You think that's the view of Jesus. But what if it was, you guys, oh, you of little faith. <laughs> guys, I'm right here. I actually did this with the wind and the waves to see, you know, I had some Kelly Slater vibes. I wanted to surf these things. Kelly Slater's a surfer. Anyways, 
Um, not that I know much about surf culture. But he, like, I think so often we've read into Jesus like he's this, this angry person. It's like, you idiots. How could you think this was going to happen? But really, he just goes, wave, stop it. I'm trying to sleep. And guys, <laughs> you really think you're going to die right now? Have you, have you seen what I've been doing? I'm in the boat. We're good. And we can get so hard on ourselves for our doubt. But as, as we look through the Gospels, you know, there's line and line after each other. And I could only find really one where Jesus was rebuking clearly. What if, oh, you of little faith was more of a, a loving thing? Oh, you still got little faith? Why are you guys afraid? Like Jesus was so loving. He was so tender. Why are you guys afraid? It's all good. We can't just push our doubt down and think, eh, hopefully that doesn't come back. We can actually bring it up and we can actually work through it. Thomas literally got to taste and see the miracles of Jesus. Yet he still had doubt. Working through your doubts could be the very thing you need to have that strong faith you're looking for. I've heard people assume that if they have questions about their faith or doubts about their faith, it means that maybe they're losing it. But doubt does not have to be the end of your faith. If you are struggling with your faith, it's a sign that you actually have faith to struggle with. Working through your faith is actually a healthy thing. You know, I, sometimes I, the, my wife and I, you know, we've been tithing for years. This has just been a practice of ours. Um, it's, it's just, it's something that we feel that God has uh, called us to as, as Christians. And, and so we tithe. And sometimes I'll come across, you know, the visa statement. I'll see the, the tithe. It automatically goes out. So I don't think about it that much. But sometimes I, I come across it and I, I think about it and I, I, I look at it and I go, I could do a lot of other things with that money. Wouldn't it be fun? I, you know what? Instead of driving my rusty old car, I, I could be paying for a nicer one with that money. But isn't it so much better to invest it in the kingdom of God than into what I want, into, into my selfish desires? And, I, and even and any type of doubt, as any type of doubt has come in or any kind of questioning has come in about tithing, what do I do? I just take a moment wherever I am and I just say, God, I know you're going to be faithful to me because I'm faithful in taking care of what you love. I know you're going to take care of what I love because I'm taking care of what you love. And what I, I often, because God says I can do this in the Bible, not sacrilegious, I often test him. And I say, God, I'm expecting a blessing this week. And he always comes through. Man, I, even in the moment when it's happening, I'm just like, oh, this is great. This happens. And then I look back and go, oh my gosh, two weeks ago, when I was looking through the statement, I just challenged God a little bit and he came through on it. It's not the reason I tithe. It's just that when ever any doubt comes in, I work through it. I just don't, I don't just think, ah, oh, my parents told me to do this, so I do it. Like, no, it's something that we can work through. God's not scared of us testing him and challenging him and working through these things. But not every storm has to become a shipwreck. And when we go through storms, it doesn't mean that it has to ruin our faith. It actually could strengthen it so much. Jesus could have been upset with Thomas, but Jesus is so confident in who he is. John 
20, verse 27. He just walks in. Come on, man. Put your finger in there. Put your hand in my side. Isn't it interesting that Jesus raised himself from the dead, but didn't heal himself of these scars? He could have. But what does he do? He's, he's willing to bear these scars to remind us of what he did for us. Jesus doesn't stop him from touching the scars. See my hands, go for it. God is not afraid of your doubt. Maybe people are, but God isn't. The goal though is not that we would have doubt, obviously. I mean, I mean the goal is that we would have faith. The goal is not doubt. It is the fruit after we have seen the scars. After Thomas touches, he actually doesn't touch the scars. After Thomas sees the scars, it doesn't say anywhere that he actually touches them, though it would have been kind of cool. Like, then Thomas touched them and they were still raw. And Jesus had to put polysporin on. No, um, but after Thomas touches, sees the scars, it is recorded that Thomas goes to India and Thomas is actually known for bringing Christianity to India. Thomas changed an entire nation after his doubt. In fact, if you've ever met somebody from India with the last name Thomas, their heritage can be tracked back to the Apostle Thomas. This same St. Thomas, as people call him, is so cool that Thomas goes and he spreads the gospel to an entire nation. The disciple who doubted Jesus, it doesn't end there. Even though he's kind of known as Doubting Thomas, that people kind of label him for that. What does he do after that? Goes to India, brings Christianity there, spreads the message of the gospel of the risen Savior. What's the fruit after your doubt? No doubt that this last few months, have caused some doubt in people of what they really knew to be true or what they thought to be true. And if you're struggling, God is not mad at you for your doubt. Maybe there's somebody watching online and you're, you're not really sure where you stand and that's probably why you're online. You're not worried about the virus, but you, maybe you're just like, I, I just need some distance right now. You felt like maybe God is mad at you for the way you've thought about him or about um, some different leaders in this time or about people in your life that you're, not happy with. God is not mad at you for working through this. In fact, in 1 Peter 1, 6 to 7, it says, in this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials, so that the, ten, uh, the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. What are you going to do with your tested faith? This is something I love about the church. It's just, we're just continually reminded of the truth. That it's, it's so great to have a time to come together and just be reminded of what we believe because we get so tested in so many different ways. We have a community to come together and do this thing. And I think that sometimes as we go through trials, um, we, we think, well, I tried, I tried hard in that trial, but I didn't get what I wanted. So next time I'm just going to try harder. 
Like it's all up to us. Like we just try and try and try. We work through it. And if we pray harder, if we have more faith, if we, if we read the Bible more and uh, read different versions of the Bible, so if we want more rounded view, we're gonna be better in our next trial. And we keep trying at different things and it keeps not working. But the road to God leads us to a place where we get the idea, we understand that God must do this, I cannot. That at the end of the day, it's, it's not all about what we can tr- control. It's actually about, about what God can do. And at some point, we're going to have to put our full trust in him, whether we like what he's doing or not. Faith is powerful and impressive to God. So notice that Jesus, like I said, he doesn't rebuke the doubt. But like he says in this text, he does reward faith. So God's not mad at you for your doubt, but he also will reward you for your faith. If you've been doubting God, you're not crazy. But you don't have to stay there either. It's much easier for us to desire some form of proof like Thomas. Um, But as we work this thing out, eventually at some point, we're going to have to take that step where we believe. In Philippians 2, it says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have uh, always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. So it looks like it's all on us, but then it says, for it's God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So even though it feels like we have to take full uh, control and and understand everything that's going on, and and depending on your personality, this might fit the narrative for you that you have to figure it all out. The funny thing about faith is that you actually have to give up control. And God will work in you as you continue to hand things over to him. And doubt, doubt is actually a way of controlling God. Look at at what Thomas says. Unless I see the marks in his hands and place my finger into his side. It's, It's crazy. It becomes about what Thomas could control. I have to do this. Well, in our human nature, we're control freaks, aren't we? I don't know about you, but I sure am. That's human nature. Come on, we can be honest in church. We want to control everything. And that's what's so frustrating about faith is at some point you have to take a step to say, God, you got to figure this out. I'm trusting you. And what happens? What's his promise in that? Blessed are those who have not seen, yet they believe. So Thomas's confession about Jesus, your Lord, oh, it's amazing. Well, that was actually watered down because of his doubt. Because he, he saw. So obviously it's a lot easier to believe at that point. We're walking into a, a new season of Christianity that I believe is going to require some serious faith out of us. That is, it's, it's difficult right now, especially in Canada with it, with all that is going on, it's, and, uh, it's, it's difficult. And I, we talked about this a little bit two weeks ago about how, you know, we have this idea of what the church should be and how it's, it's, it's you know, so, 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 supposed to be so perfect and, and holy, yet its history has, has not always been that. And we have to work through that in this new season. 
it's gonna require some faith that we have to believe that God is still the answer and the church is the way to get us there. And that is not writing off what happened. Man, that breaks our hearts. It breaks our hearts as leaders. It breaks God's heart in just the history of our country. It's just, it is so difficult. But that doesn't mean we give up the church for that. I heard this quote this week. The church will never cease to stand in the way of God, but will always be the way to God. It's pretty strong language, but there is a special blessing for us who believe in what he can do without the help of something we can see. Jesus obviously wants us to believe, but he is not afraid of what it takes us, takes to get us there. In Hebrews 11, 6, it says, without faith, it's impossible to, to please him. For whatever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and he rewards those who seek him. So we know that there is reward for us to seek him, who seek him. It might not be the reward we expected and it might not be the way you expected him to reward, but can you trust him with that? Can you leave that with him? And we can start believing for what we're not seeing, but we hope for. Whether it's a healing in our bodies through health, whether it's a relationship situation, whether it's in a, a business that we're really believing God puts on our hearts, um, maybe a family member who's ran away, maybe it's for our own faith, um, maybe that we're just really struggling with our faith or with our community or, or whatever, but it's not too crazy to expect the impossible. And I think that sometimes in this sort of Western world where sometimes it feels like we can just get whatever we want if we just work for it and just figure it out, that it's not too crazy to expect the impossible from God. And in fact, I think that sometimes God's waiting for it. And, and, and just a, a good reminder in this season that our goal is not things or possessions or this perfect life that we pictured. Our goal is Jesus. Our goal is the gifts of the Spirit. A deep passion for, for what God has actually said. I just believe that God will meet us in our doubt as well. So a lot of times, People are doubting and they need God to meet them there. And that, this is exactly what we see in Jesus with the situation with Thomas. In this moment, he just couldn't have faith anymore. And Jesus is like, that's okay. My presence is still there. And I think that some people are at that place today where you're just, you're just tired, you're exhausted, Sometimes you don't even know what you believe, but you need Jesus to meet you. In Acts 3.19, it says, repent then and turn to God so that your sins will be wiped out. But then look at this. It says that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. That times of refreshing may come from the Lord. So I just want to pray for you today. Maybe you haven't been dealing with doubt, but you need a, a, just a refreshing. And whether you're in the room or online, I just want to take a moment just to quickly 
pray for you. God, I just pray for this new season that we're walking into that it seems as though we're leaving the pandemic behind us, but there's still a weight on a lot of us about maybe what's been happening in our country. His heart's just broken about learning about our, our country's history. Maybe it's in our faith that we've been struggling through this. Maybe it's that we've been looking for a community, a group of friends to, to really call home that even though this church is home for us, we, we still don't feel like we found our community in this church. God, I just pray that we'd be reminded of how faithful you are, that you show up when, when we're doubting. God, I pray for the, just that season of refreshing to come that we would hold on to this Acts 3.19, knowing that it is your desire that we would be refreshed. And that's what we need right now. God, I pray for just the dry seasons that some people are going through right now, whether it's with um, their marriage, whether it's in their walk with you, Lord God, whether it's in... Uh, whatever it is, a workspace or whatever it is, God, I just pray for just a refreshing to come. That God, we would just receive that, that joy, that, the joy of when we first met you, Lord God. God, I pray we'd be reminded of, of how good you've been in the past, but also have faith for how good you're gonna continue to be in the future. Pray for a season of refreshing for people right now. as we're, our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, um, it says in the, in the Bible that if you believe in your heart and confess it with your mouth, you'll be saved. And there's some people who've done that, but have walked away and, and maybe haven't believed anymore or people who've never prayed that prayer and you wanna pray it today, whether you're online or in the room. I just wanna, I just wanna pray for you really quick. I'll just ask everybody who is, considers themselves a believer to repeat after me in agreement with those. If you wanna pray this prayer to accept Jesus into your heart and have a new season of refreshing with him to be your Lord and Savior, just repeat after me. Jesus, thank you for coming to this earth, living a perfect life, dying on the cross for my sins. I believe that you rose from the dead, that you are my Lord. And from now on, I live for you. Come into my heart. I believe in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's put our hands together for all God's done today. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Doubt, Deconstruction, and Devotion. If you'd like to find out more about Celebration Church or would like to partner with us financially, visit our website at celebrationedmonton.com and be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Celebration EDM. Come back next week to hear another great message.